0: This is a headgum podcast.
1: Craig, you've heard about dosing, right? I have. Have you heard about microdosing?
0: I also have, but I would <laughs> like you to tell me more, please. Have you heard
1: about macrodosing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure anybody's anybody's doing that one. You yet. know,
0: I I only took the intro class, <laughs> so I I didn't get to macrodosing. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Craig, our show this week is brought to you by Microdose Gummies, which oh. deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Mm. Uh, I've used these to relax and relieve anxiety. They can be useful for boosting creativity, boosting your mood, improving sleep, relieving muscle tension and pain, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you decide the size of the dose you want. They have different guidance for when to take one, two, or three, but you can take even less if that's what's right for you. And Craig, then you just let the gummies do the rest. <laughs> Yeah, take the wheel, gummies. <laughs> uh, my wife also loves it. Just here's an exam. Here's a here's a serving suggestion from my family to yours. My wife loves to take a microdose gummy and play Stardew Valley, which is a relaxing combo.
0: If ever I heard one, so yeah, there you, go. <laughs> you can do do your farming inside, nice and mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Uh, so, <laughs> to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. Use code overdue to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com with the code overdue. Microdose.com code overdue for 30% off. Oh.
0: Welcome over to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Close your eyes. There's nothing to see here. Yeah, it's an audio medium. Oh! oh, oh. <laughs> he surprised me with that. Yeah. Quick pickup there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unless you're driving, keep your eyes open.
1: Could you keep your eyes open to drive, but you don't have to keep your eyes open to listen to us.
0: No. No. Eyes agnostic, this podcast is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bring them,
1: don't, whatever. We yeah. don't care.
0: <laughs> Welcome as you are. to our book podcast, where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other person about it. Andrew, did you read this week's book? No,
1: I didn't read it, That, that but that means you must have read it. What did you read this
0: week? I'm looking around. The only one left is me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read... look
1: around the table and you don't see the person who read the book, then you read the book. It
0: better have been you. We've all been a thank group assignment. Uh, I read Kevin Wilson's Nothing to See Here. Mm. which is why I said all those things that I said. It was a funny goof. Um, Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. This is one of our backlog (laughs) Patreon recommendations from Mia. Thank you, Mia. Uh, Mia said uh, that it has a completely bonkers premise, but I think it manages to tell a really grounded story about parenthood and all the fears attached to it. It also made me laugh out loud several times. I'd love to hear your take. Having read the
1: premise of the book, I'm surprised that we didn't pull this off of the Patreon backlog list sooner because it does sound like a fun high concept thing that we would have identified as a thing that we would have fun with, but like maybe that just didn't make it into our spreadsheet oh yeah, the
0: spreadsheet doesn't have all of the premises in yeah. there um and yeah, it I had a good time with the book, yeah. Enough, sh- enough that we will have stuff to talk about today. It's right, usually cool. how that goes. Yeah, but I had not, I had not heard of Kevin Wilson before. I had not heard of this book before. Um, it is my understanding one of his books was made into a movie with people I've ever heard of, but I, I had mm-hmm. not even heard of that film, um, "The Family Fang." I think "The Family the Fang," which is named for his first, uh, his debut novel in twenty eleven. Okay.
1: 2011. okay. Um, yeah, why don't yeah, you here, tell me about Kevin Wilson? Here's a, here's a little bit about Kevin Wilson. No relation to Brian, I don't think. Uh, he's or a what you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a Tennessee-based novelist and short story writer. Uh, he is a writing te- Currently, he's a writing teacher at Sewanee, the University of the South, which is quite a mouthful of a name. Huh. So, or a Southful. If you know, if you know, his oh first God. short story collection was called *Tumbling to the Center of the Earth, which came out in 2009, won the Shirley Jackson Award and the Alex Award uh, from the American Library Association. Yeah. And yet since then, he's written a book mostly every couple of years. Uh, the Family Fang was the, the novel we just talked about, came out in 2011 uh, and then followed in 2017 by Perfect Little World, which is another novel. Uh, baby, you're gonna be mine in 2018, which was another short story collection. Uh, this nothing to see here in 2019, uh, and then now is not the time to panic, which is a, his latest novel in 2022. Okay, and that's pretty much what there is to know about Kevin Wilson. Like, I have a little bit about his background as as regards the like the premise of this book. Do you want to talk you just talk really briefly about? Oh, yeah. What the high concept concept sure. is, and then we can go from there.
0: So in the edition of the... I, I have an E edition of the book that has uh, a an cover. E edition. Yeah, that's funny. Um, a cover. I'm trying to give the credit to it, to whoever drew the cover, if I can. Mm. I don't know if I can do that. Um, but it is... It, first, it says it is a read with Jenna pick on it, which I had to look up what that is. That is one of the Bush daughters okay. bush on the Today Show. okay. And I'd looked and like I looked at other picks on that li- like I don't know. It's the arm of the Today Show that does kind of an Oprah book club, which mm-hmm. is, you know, fine. Um and clearly got more people to read this book and it's an interesting book, so that's wonderful. Um but the cover of the book has what appears to be the bottom half of a kid uh, like their legs and their shoes and socks and stuff, and then yeah. the top yeah. half is just fire. Mm-hmm. And then the title of the book is "Nothing to See Here," which I guess is a little ironic because there is something. To there see is something. There, there is l- someone literally on fire. Many, right many here.
1: times when someone says that you should move along and that there's nothing to see, in a there's usually place. something because there is something to see, and they're trying to get you to clear away so they can see it.
0: So the central premise of this book is that there are some kids who catch fire a lot. Mm -hmm. and it is not a science fiction novel like it is not a riff on comic books novel it is not a fantasy novel it is in fact kind of a it's fairly grounded somewhat comic story about female friendship and parenthood with a little sousa of I hate politicians yeah. and and kids on fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah
1: there, there are books frequently where where it's just like here's our world, but one weird thing happens, and it's just you just have to kind of accept it as reality, and that's yes. what the world is yeah.
0: General and and even the sense of comedy in the book, like there are a couple lines that are like okay, that's pretty funny, or that's clever writing. I wasn't, like, guffawing my way through the read or anything. Mm-hmm. I found the level of humor, like, the base on level of humor reminded me of, like, a certain flavor of indie movie that I am, that I will enjoy when I'm in the mood for it. Where it's uh-huh. just kind of, like, it's not the view of universe specifically, but we're just in, like, a slightly different world or you know, just kind of the way the camera is lets you know that it's not just the world you're used to. Yeah, from from
1: reading reviews of it, it sounds like the the sense of humor is a, it's like a little dry, a little dark. Yes, and that's that's the space it likes to play in. But that, the, the, the overall shape of the book is kind of a feel good story in in a, in a yeah, lot of why ways, not? like a feel, feel good found family sort of thing. It is
0: a found family sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And so, so what do you, what did you find about Wilson on this? Cause I, I found a little bit, but I knew you did a bit more.
1: Well, just so he, he was talking um, to NPR. This, the, it has a, I think it's like a transcript from a, from a radio show. It has oh, Terry yeah. Gross's byline on it. Oh, so
0: it's, a, yeah, it's a fresh air know. excerpt. Yeah. yeah. It's fresh
1: air thing. Um, but he is, is talking in this interview, which was done in, in 2019 as part of the publicity tour for, for nothing to see here, I think, uh, that he was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, which he says he draws on in his writing and also for this book specifically. Um, so he says that for him, the sort of the tick, like external ticks and outbursts that... I, People commonly associate with Tourette's syndrome uh, are intern are quote much more internal for him. Um, he says, "I've always had this kind of agitation and looping thoughts and small ticks, uh, falling off tall buildings, getting stabbed, catching on fire. They were these just quick kind of violent bursts in my head, and so a lot of the work that I'm doing is just keeping it in there. Mm. Um, so m- more of a like unbidden." uh outbursts of of thought or mental Im- imagery rather than external bursts did, and he
0: and go ahead did that interview also mention him like kind of uh learning about spontaneous human combustion as a kid and then like uh, kind of being unable to stop thinking about it <laughs> it
1: didn't I didn't see that specifically I just I see he says I was an anxious kid and I had all this agitation inside of me and so it made sense that I just assumed I might burst into flames it seemed entirely possible and then as I got older and became a teenager and my anxiety kind of became more understandable I kind of wanted to burst into flames like that would burn out all the anxiety inside of me and I'd be kind of clean so I just kind of wanted that Sure. And so it just repeated in my head over and over again until I decided I've got to write about it. Uh, knowing children, I have two little boys, and I think children, when they have tantrums or even when they're agitated, they look like they're going to combust. It's entirely possible to me that my boys might burst into flames. <laughs> so <laughs> He's coming at this from a lot of angles. It's yes. like, yeah, this is this is the form that my anxiety takes. This is uh, how I feel about parenting sometimes. And it is, I, I feel, as a parent, often there is a... There's a quality of like bomb defusal to it sometimes yeah. is mm-hmm. like I got to walk this I got to handle this situation exactly correctly if we're all going to get through this okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I just I I can't be interrupted and I can't have other people come in try to help. It just needs to be me and and Henry and we're going to get
0: through this. <laughs> <laughs> um I did see this was not in my edition uh, there was a review I found on the Avocado Diaries dot com mm-hmm. that mentioned some sort of afterward in their edition uh, that had quotes from him about uh, experiencing like, a, you know, a nervous breakdown in the late aughts. And then that was around the time that he and his wife were thinking about having kids and not being sure about how they were going to approach that. Yeah. and mm-hmm. you can you can feel that in this book obviously this book is written way after that you know whenever he, i think his kids in most of the interviews i read were like you know 8 9 10 kind yeah. of mm-hmm. and it it is very much a book about someone who never planned on having kids finding her stumbling into being responsible for two kids and then by the end of the book kind of coming to a peace and a desire to care for these kids and and be responsible for them Mm -hmm. and you can tie all as he has for the press tour right and kind of making sense of his own creative process kind of tie together all of his anxieties and his life experience into like yeah this is a book where children are just capable of bursting into flames and you can't hide it or try as you might you really can't and it's going to change your life and it's going to impact your life. What are you going to do about it? Uh, and the person in the book who is the most honest about how you have to deal with that is our protagonist. And that's why we're supposed to like her. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I think that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is also set in the mid-90s. I think it's set in 95 or 96. I saw an interview with him in TheBeliever.net uh, that says that he tends to write about teens in the 90s when I was a teen rather than modern-day teens. I used to think it was so I could be authentic in the details, but when I was fifteen, I was cutting out pictures of Hugh Grant from People Magazine and taping episodes of Seinfeld on my dad's micro recorder and listening to them in school and drinking sundrop all day while reading books from the forties about kids <laughs> with polio, so there's no way I was representative of the teenage experience,
1: <laughs> yeah, but still I mean you're still kind of around to absorb the rest of the milieu yeah like you're doing that but there (laughs) you you know you could still i I could definitely speak about being a a 90s kid yeah and an early aughts teen more authentically than i could get into the heads of a teen today because i'm like walking home from the beer store in the snow because i went to go get some beer and there are just like a couple of of like teens or early 20 something just kind of like dancing in the snow while one of them films the other one i'm like Mm. oh they're doing a tiktok thing and it's just like go it's so cold go inside and play (laughs) super nintendo like what are we doing
0: yeah this book definitely benefits from its period it's not overly steeped in the period i would say like there's not a lot of 90s kids will understand references or anything.
1: So often the selection, like if if you're not doing something that is a period piece.
0: Yeah. So often
1: what you are deciding is just like, what do I want not. the ambient amount of smartphone
0: yeah. or whatever to be, yeah. you know? <laughs> yep. There, There's <laughs> like a how, reference yeah. to the internet. Yeah. In that like at one point, I think Lillian the main character says like her friend Madison, like let her use her computer once to do email or something.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, if you're talking about 95, 96, I think that's the exact right phase of the internet. It's like maybe you don't have it yet, but you know somebody who does. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And then it just absolves the book of having to deal with uh, any of that stuff in a way that the author's not interested in and can just kind of zero in on the relationships that they feel grounded exploring.
1: Yeah, so let's let's talk about them. tell me about the relationships. Who's these people? Who's, who's, these, these, who's people? these? Who's these? Who's these flaming kids?
0: <laughs> I love to come into a book club and just go. Who's these people? Who's these who, people? Who,
1: what are they all doing?
0: <laughs> um, so our main character, Lillian Breaker, is a kind of late twenties. Not not. I wouldn't say full on wastoid. I think she perceives <laughs> herself as a bit of a wasteoid. Mm-hmm. She. Had academic promise as a kid, but her home life is not great. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she grew up pretty poor and kind of fell into a life of mediocrity or less than that, even out of like a sense that, well, the world doesn't expect much from me. So what am I yeah. what am I even bothering to rise to? I think there was a there was a
1: quote Um, I don't remember. Like there was a very effusive uh, New York Times review of this. Um, oh, yeah. It was written. There was an NPR review I read that was separate from the the Fresh Air interview. And yeah, there was there was a quote in there um, about this main character who was like, she went to school with a bunch of rich people, and they had been trained from birth to sense when somebody was important, and none of them got that sense from her, and so yes. they mostly ignored her. And that yes. was her.
0: That was her school experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the beginning of this book, she is living her life, working at a Save a Lot. Living in her mom's attic because her mom turned her childhood bedroom into an exercise room she never uses. Uh-huh. and she doesn't get along with her mom. Her mom, as she says, uh, I knew that my mom didn't exactly like me. I weirded her out. I cramped her style. Her mom also has a gambling problem and never never even told Lillian what her dad's deal is or was. Her dad's just not in the picture. And there were other boyfriends, but nothing ever, you know, settled down. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning of the book, she gets a letter from her friend Madison, who is her friend from high school, that they literally have not seen each other since high school, like freshman year. It's
1: like 10 years or something-ish.
0: Like 15. Like Yeah, okay. Um, and her friend Madison, they've been pen pals, they have stayed in touch. Um, and we're gonna we'll we find out their backstory pretty quickly. But Madison is like, hey. Come to my house in another part of Tennessee. I'm married to this rich senator now, and I have a job for you. What kinda wait, state senator or talking US Senator? US Senator. Senator. This book I did not anticipate Hmm. that this book like flirts with the White House, like in terms of its governmental concerns through this character, Jasper Roberts, the Democratic Mm -hmm. Senator from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um he wears a donkey pin at one point, which is how you how you know that's a an,
1: that's another period appropriate touch <laughs> is that a Democrat could get elected in Tennessee?
0: I do feel like if you were reading this book, Andrew, you would also get a kick out of some of the the political stuff. Is not the main point of the book, mm-hmm. but it was certainly pinging for me along the way in terms, cool. you know. Um, so she goes because like, what does she has to, what does she have to lose basically? Mm-hmm. And as she gets picked up from the bus station or whatever, she's also living somewhere in Tennessee, but not where her rich friend is living. Mm -hmm. Um, this guy, Carl, who is the, he's, uh, he he was a private detective for a while. He's the, like the guy who he's the fixer for Jasper Roberts. You know, he's just around doing stuff for him. Mm -hmm. Um, he picks her up from the bus station and while they're in the car, we get the backstory of Lillian and Madison, They went to Iron Mountain Boarding School in Tennessee. It was a finishing school for girls uh, that becomes this kind of, you know, fancy rich kid boarding school that takes in a few scholarship kids every year. Sure. And Lillian manages to get herself in, even though, as you said, like nobody there is even really paying attention to her. It's not clear what she's even going to get out of it because how could she afford any of the good colleges she might make her way to, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. She becomes really good friends with uh, Lillian, their roommates, and Lillian doesn't fit in as a scholarship kid. Madison fits in as a hot, popular girl, but is like a secret weirdo. And like Ooh. the book's definition of weirdo is just like has you have an, any kind of personality underneath the <laughs> yeah underneath like, the
1: facade.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't plastic has a kind of '90s reality bite sense of humor sometimes. Mm-hmm. Real, um, real, uh, sort of Daria kind of, <laughs> yeah, a little personality. bit personality, sure, and like she's, she can, she connects with Lillian over that, and so they become very, very close. They also both play basketball and are both very, very good at basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both readers. They're kind of clever and and dry witted with each other. Um, there's like Madison is also oddly insightful about how the the system works. She coaches Lillian at one point on like Lillian doesn't want to be like, Oh, I'm a poor kid here ever if she can Uh help it. Yeah. But Madison points out like, okay, maybe this creative writing assignment is the time to write a poem about it because like Mm -hmm. people will pay attention. You'll get some recognition for it, which will set you up for six, like that kind of thing. She's like, well,
1: and then maybe because it's like, creative you can sort of be like oh yeah i'm just you know just making stuff just yeah just
0: writing some fiction here no big deal um and lillian later in the book uses the phrase like in love it's not clear that it is actually like queer coded it just it is a very deep love for madison Mm -hmm. that prevents her from wanting to ever like have that in her life with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, though it is maybe Im- imbalanced. It's sure. not necessarily re- fully reciprocal. Mm-hmm. This falls apart, Andrew, due Uh-oh. to class reasons. Class? Like in school? Well, I meant, uh, like you know, Spanish, socioeconomics. Spanish, the Spanish class. <laughs> no. no. Um, Madison uh, also likes to like do drugs with kids oh, in school
1: ooh, ooh, she's cool
0: She's also well, I mean
1: well drugs I mean drugs are never cool it's not it's is this kids, the 90s don't, so dare is in full no. swing yeah
0: um
1: and drugs she... aren't cool I should have, I should have said that
0: uh she has some cocaine don't in her them. room and uh she gets caught with cocaine and don't do any drugs that our advertisers wouldn't sell you
1: basically yeah, please, <laughs>
0: basically <laughs> Is the tightrope that I want to walk here on okay. this podcast. You, I've watched you walk it the last mm-hmm. five minutes. You're doing a great yeah. job. Thanks, thanks. And she, Madison, is going to get in trouble. So Madison's rich dad takes Lillian, Madison, and Lillian's mom out to mm-hmm. dinner. Mm-hmm. And during dinner is basically like, hey, you know... Madison made a mistake and she's very sorry, but it would be yeah. really bad if, like, she actually got in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I could give you some money and we could all say Lillian did it. And you and you could take the fall for the cocaine. Well, yeah. Or, okay. I mean, basically, to Lillian's mom, I can give you money if your daughter takes the fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Lillian's mom is like well sure I will take that money let's go (sighs) so she's out of school instantly and four months later uh, and that's when she kind of embarks on her like the world doesn't expect anything from me like I'm not going to rise out of my circumstances yeah mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Madison writes her a letter like four months later and is like, hey, I went on this cool summer vacation. You're my friend. Uh, I've got these other anxieties about school. Let's stay in touch. And they just never talk about it. Okay, sure. I guess like the implication being is that neither of them really make any other strong connections, like as strong of a connection with anyone else in their life. Mm -hmm. So they, they both want to be in each other's lives, but they just don't have a way to do it. Uh, sure. So that's the backstory for Madison being like, "Hey, come to my house. I have a secret job for you. I'm married to this senator who is older than me. I did meet him while I was working on his reelection campaign. He did have a <sighs> first wife who it, tragically died, but it's not weird, and it's everybody's <laughs> doing great. Thank you for we, asking. We have a three year old son named Timothy." Who is like, kind of like, what if Damien from the Omen wasn't possessed? He was just still really proper. Like, mm-hmm. he's just a little proper boy whose favorite game is line up your stuffed animals and decide which one is best. And then that's it. That's the game. Okay,
1: sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of You got to know, right?
0: Yeah. These
1: are that's the kinds of things you got to keep track of.
0: Um, And so <sighs> Madison's married to this guy. She. She took over his camp his reelection campaign because he got caught cheating on his second wife, who he Her, had, or is she his third wife? No, she is his third wife, okay. his first wife tragically died, so sad. his second wife he cheated on with someone else, okay, sad and bad, he gets in trouble because he has two kids with this woman mm-hmm. and then Madison is like. In his campaign, being like, "Here's how we spin it. Here's how you, you know, do the John Edwards apology tour, except it works." Well, I mean, you gotta do better than that. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. Yes, it it works. And John Edwards. (laughs) And Um,
1: John Edwards. That's the reference you're bringing into it, right? Yes, correct. Period.
0: Yeah, no, but that is what my brain instantly Mm -hmm. went to. Okay. Um, and basically, she's like, "You're gonna go out there. You're gonna be as sorry as you can be. You're just a schmuck who's sorry." And people really dislike you because you are uh like the scion of a family of senators from Tennessee. So as long as you are humble, uh, anu- uh seeming yeah. and wear humble, a suit. Ter- terrific. Yeah. Some pig. <laughs> <laughs> All those things. Yeah, exactly. The way she describes him matches ways that I re- I've read people describe um. Who's the president from your town? The
1: oh, Warren G. Harding? Yeah, kind of just, you know,
0: a suit that could talk. Yeah, that was Warren G.
1: That was Warren G. Harding. An attractive
0: suit man. And now he has a big
1: stupid building. Does he really? And well, I mean, he has like the Harding memorial thing is there, and then his his I thought I thought you meant the teapot dome. No, 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 no. We don't talk about the teapot dome.
0: Not in this house um so she kind of coaches him through this scandal uh he you know elevates her in the campaign and then decides to marry her and they have a kid it's all normal it's fine yeah sounds normal and he is maybe in the running to be secretary of state Okay. Because in this universe, the current who is the Secretary of State for Bill Clinton in 1995? For
1: Bill Clinton in 1995. I'm just making. Bill
0: Clinton is never referenced in this book. It's kind of like Sorkin esque alternate timeline. We never talk about the people uh, we don't need to talk about. The, the,
1: the Secretary of State in 1995 was a man named Warren Minor Christopher. Okay, great. He has minor even in his name.
0: <laughs> I tell you how much. To,
1: to tell you how much you're supposed to remember it. <laughs>
0: So, in this book, whoever is Secretary of State for the president, uh, the unnamed president, he is... sought
1: to expand NATO, broker peace in the Israeli Palestinian conflict. Oh, How'd God. that go, Warren? Jesus Christ. And pressured China regarding its human rights practices. So, he really doing he real did a real minor great job. record here, he Warren. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, and then Madeleine Albright succeeded him oh, okay. in 1997. Okay. okay That's why I don't know who he
0: is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,. So whoever the secretary of state is in the in this fictional universe uh is sickly and will likely die soon and so they are vetting his replacement which is likely to be US senator Jasper Roberts the beloved democrat from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so Madison has asked her beloved pen pal friend who she hasn't seen in 15 years here to be the governess for Roberts's two twin 10-year-old children from his prior marriage.
1: Are you still doing governesses in the 1990s? It well, feels
0: like a very,
1: like, 1850s kind she, of Yeah, kind of
0: she, thing. she deploys the word, and it is, like, weird that she calls yeah, it mm-hmm. governess. Mm-hmm. Um, Lillian is like, I mean, I get. Like, it's very turn of the screw for me, you know. Sure. Um, but... She's going to live on the property with these two kids. She's like, the kids are kind of like they were raised at home. They've never been to school. Their which, mom was kind of weird. Yeah,
1: which was this the kids of first wife or second wife? Second wife. Second wife, all right. A
0: second wife who passed away a few months ago in somewhat tragic circumstances that only get revealed later. Oh, no. Um. So basically, keep these kids under wraps while the president vets my husband and we'll pay for everything and it'll be great and lillian's like okay i guess Mm -hmm. and madison's like there's one other thing i need to tell you though oh boy
1: this i don't know it doesn't sound like any madison has ever had like oh i just need i just have one small (laughs) one small thing to add it doesn't feel like that's good that's that's that's, no
0: just one minor minor detail quote they catch on fire they can rarely of course burst into flames rarely of course and lillian responds you want me to raise your husband's fire children and she's like don't call them fire children And so they have outfitted the former slave quarters on this estate as a guest house complete with an industrial sprinkler system um, so that she can live there with the fire children who are currently with their grandparents.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to assume since they can set themselves on fire like multiple times that they don't harm themselves when they catch on fire. No, they do not. what What can they
0: everything else do everything else like they they end every they mostly they catch on fire when they're upset and angry same and they've lived a very hard life they were they used to live in that house uh in jasper's estate with his prior wife before Mm -hmm. that fell apart um and they've just never had a normal life and they kind of are easily upset about that because they don't really trust any other adults yeah uh, and they basically go Super Saiyan and burst into flames <laughs> when they get upset, and it burns all their clothes off and burns anything they touch. Uh, but not but not them at all, and their hair doesn't burn off, which is like a little like note that Lillian has when she first sees them. It's like she can barely wrap her brain around what is actually happening, but she's like, "Wow, their hair is still totally fine,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I don't know that that makes. None of it really makes
1: sense. No, I you mean know, it doesn't. You, yeah, you just have to accept the rules as they are. Not really say, well, this wouldn't no happen this way. No, there is what, a are these, like a bunch of bunch of little heat misers. Like what? <laughs>
0: no, there is a a weird capital W weird doctor later in the book. Ooh, a weird doctor, like a what if an old doctor Spachemin from Thirty Rock kind of ooh, a weird doctor energy. Where he's like, I think it might be ketosis, like their bodies don't have enough glucose, so it's like burning fat, but it's doing it such that it just bursts into flames. They're like, Oh, interesting. Other doctors said similar things, and then he's like, Or it could be the devil. I'm a paranormal researcher. It might be the Holy Spirit, the most powerful flame in the universe. And they're like, We gotta go.
1: I think a good doctor though, it's like tries to keep an open mind. Yeah. yeah, like a, like Dr. House. <laughs> he, Did he do that? You tried keep it open, keep an open mind. It could I be thought anything.
0: everything was lupus on that show. No, everything's not lupus. It's oh, never lupus. So cause he had the an exact, open mind. the exact opposite of the thing you said. I need to watch more house, apparently. Yes. Um Hugh Laurie's seven.
1: <laughs> 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 we don't need to do this again. Go continue.
0: So the the arc of the book from here, because Lillian says yes. She's like, I will, I will watch these fire children through the summer, get mm-hmm. them through the vetting period. And is
1: their fire like worse during the summer,
0: or is it just, is it purely mood related, or it's mostly mood related? They spend a lot of time in the pool, Andrew. Sure. I
1: mean, is that so that they don't catch stuff on fire, or just because it's cool to have a swimming pool? Because I would spend a lot of time in the swimming pool as well. Mostly so they option. don't catch
0: stuff on fire. Okay. Because you can like put water on them and it will like sort of put it out unless they're really mad. Mm-hmm. Um and so the the arc of the book from here for a decent chunk is Lillian learning to care for fire children. Uh-huh. Uh huh do not call don't, call them, don't I, call them that. We don't call them that. We don't call them that. Their names are Bessie and Roland. And they're, you know, like, Bessie is the, I think they're supposed to be twins, but Bessie feels like the older one. Mm-hmm. Um, When finally Lillian gets around and being, like, I think we should do some schoolwork. <laughs> and she tries to do some math with them, and Bessie kind of gets upset because she's like, our mom didn't want to teach us math because our mom was kind of kooky and didn't think it was necessary. and
1: Didn't think math was necessary? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to live in that world. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Sometimes sometimes you gotta know how to add stuff. But Bessie, like, it's not that she doesn't want to do school. She's, like, mad that she doesn't know this stuff. Like, she's, sure. she is precocious enough to realize that their life kind of sucks in some specific ways Mm -hmm. and is as mad about that as she is just mad about like people disrespecting her in a way that you might expect a kid to sort of thing Yeah, yeah um when Lillian and Carl go to collect the children it's this big dramatic scene where they're like picking them up from the grandparents and they're in the pool and Bessie like you know pretends to be nice and then bites Lillian on the hand and then Jinches. Lillian's like, listen, I'm just going to be your friend and take care of you. And then, you know, the kids burst into flames. I realized there were delicate waves of yellow flame moving up and down Bessie's little arms. And then like a crack of lightning, she burst fully into flames, her body a kind of firework. The fire white and blue and red all at once. It was beautiful. No lie to watch a person burn.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: It's kind of it's yeah. When the kids really burn, they burn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, you, you know this is about kids. Yeah, it's true. Um, and so she basically engenders herself with the kids by being real. Like, she is like, listen, I'm here because I said I would be. You need someone. You're. She treats them like people, not problems. And the whole mm-hmm. book is set up to treat these kids like problems. Yeah. They sure. are. They are political. This is, I think, maybe, <laughs> I guess maybe if this were a sci-fi book, someone would ask, more questions about the fire children of a of a US senator. Uh-huh. You know, like I get thematically why no one is really interested in why this is happening. I mean, it was kind
1: of a different era of the US Senate where it was just kind of like chummier. And if your one of your colleagues had kids who caught on fire, you just kind of didn't as like a gentleman's thing, you didn't, sure. you didn't make a big deal out of it. My colleague from Tennessee.
0: Who definitely does not have fire children? Who does not have fire children? Yes, and I don't even know what those are. Yes, uh-huh. uh huh. As long as you're not proposing, you know, reforms to the healthcare system, of course. Um, no,
1: I mean it's it's fine the way it is. <laughs> so why would you need to reform it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of wild that this is what they decide that like we need to bury these the the existence of these fire children under a rug, um, for his political gains. I that, that to me is a bigger leap than the, the, I feel like the fire children thing is gonna come out and maybe that's the point of the book is it's this thing that you can't hide Right, because your
1: kids catch on fire
0: Yeah it, The Never once does the does the book feel like the fire condition is a one-to-one analog for anything uh-huh. um, We talked about like uh Tourette's stuff that he's talked about as well as his parental anxieties and I think he kind of smartly does not invite a clean comparison to anything
1: I think that's I think that's the best way to do it yeah Yeah. because then you get you get tagged as being like a book that's about x when it sounds like he's trying to make it be like about a wider array of things
0: yeah and and the by calling it nothing to see here as we were joking earlier it is this kind of like when it is talking about politics it is talking about the like the way that people with power will make prob will will believe that they can make problems go away quote unquote problems go away even though they can't yeah um cuz that is all that Jasper Roberts wants to do with these cases.
1: except except when they can
0: yeah. Well, okay. Um so yeah, there's a lot of really like fun scenes with her growing to like the kids where she, you know, starts doing some schooling with them and starts trying to teach them breathing exercises to calm them down. They go to the library to do, to like do some research project and like she helps them steal books from the library cuz nobody has a, a card. And she's <laughs> like, "We're going to borrow, we're going to bring them back, but we like nobody here can get a library card, so we're just going to like" yeah borrow it
1: i don't feel great about that but okay you know I mean, if
0: you, are they going to take them back yeah
1: mm-hmm. okay oh well, that's fine then
0: <laughs> yeah they just don't they just don't they can't get a card okay uh, because nobody has like a registered address at the it's very technical you yeah, it's fine yeah yeah, yeah. um i'm a librarian they get some flame retardant pajamas and they start wearing stunt gel carl knows a guy who works in hollywood and they wear, like, <laughs> gel to, like, prevent them from burning for, mm-hmm. like, an effect. Mm-hmm. And they, whenever they need to, they slather the kids in stunt gel. Yeah, of course, um, stunt gel. The Lillian bonds with the kids over at basketball and starts teaching them basketball. And she is just kind of growing to love them, even though she knows it's very complicated. Uh, what does she say? There were these two kids, and they burst into flames, and I had known them for less than a week. I didn't know them at all. And I wanted to burst into flames, too. I thought, how wonderful would it be to have everyone stand at a respectful distance? <laughs> the kids were making me feel things. And they were complicated because these kids were complicated, were so damaged, and I wanted to take them. But I knew that I wouldn't, and I knew that I couldn't give them the hope that I would. Um, so that, that is her other big tension with these kids. is She's like, I can't care for them forever. I'm not equipped for it. And I don't know what's going to happen
1: I'm not equipped for it. Like it's legally not a thing I can like do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess it's. I don't know what kind of book it is. It could have like a Matilda ending where your parents are just like, "Oh, actually, it's fine that I don't want you," and then they sign your adoption papers over right before they leave town, like one step ahead of the cops. It's you it's know
0: not that far. It's not, we never get to adoption papers, but it is pretty close to that. Okay, um, it's right. a pretty good comp um the other thing to know about these kids is that their pre their mom uh took her life because she was so scared of her fire children and the Oof. ramifications of them okay um so like the kids need therapy but to quote carl senator roberts does not believe in therapy he is uneasy with the entire concept of psychoanalysis that's a thing that a person in the 90s should believe
1: it, this thing that a person a u.s. uh, policymaker in the 90s should believe especially
0: beloved democratic senator from tennessee yes of course Mm -hmm. um a beloved democratic senator from tennessee who doesn't think that dolly parton is a reputable person because she's a performer like this man is a cartoon
1: it's a strange that's a strange it's just a strange cross-section of ticks for this person to have and yeah. this is a book where kids catch on fire when they get mad
0: so. of all the characters oh. jasper roberts is both the most and the least believable uh-huh. in the book.
1: yeah i think somebody somebody um it was the npr review that said um in a book about damaged kids who literally burn with anger, it's ironic that I had a harder time swallowing Lillian's abiding loyalty to conniving, controlling Madison. Yeah. So it sounds like some of the just like human relationships are, you just, uh, again, like the kid on fire of it all. You just kind of have to accept that they are the way they are and that the world takes those people the way that they are. I don't know.
0: Yeah, what what's interesting about that is the book opens with, this whole Madison Lillian thing—you're like, "Huh, this is gonna be a book about them, like working together on something, and rediscovering whether or not they're friends, like just working through their relationship together." Yeah, there I don't are... even know if I would have like gone into it expecting that. It's just like, what like,
1: why? My my thing would have been like, why does not? Wh- wh- <laughs> Why does Lillian not run a million miles away from this person who kind of ruined her life?
0: Well, there's there's that. Her whole decision to be in touch with this person for 15 years, the best that the book does to explain it is, like, what else does she have if she yeah, had sure. any other strong relationship in her life? Um, And that it is, like, again, it is not quite – it is never distinctly romantic love, but it is – as deep a love as, as Lillian is capable of. So that that's the best explanation you get. Okay. I, th- I do think that like the book opens and all the backstory is dumped and you're like, okay, so this is going to be about them. No, no, it's going to be about the burning kids. And it's going to be about her <laughs> spending all of her time with the burning kids. And we grow to really like the burning kids. They're kind of clever. They're very sweet. Even though when they get angry, they turn to fire uh, and they just want to live and be loved. And so does Lillian. So that kind of works out. Yeah. But we get maybe two or three scenes over the rest of the book that are between Lillian and Madison. Uh, one of them is a basketball game that they play where Madison winds up kind of throwing a dirty elbow at the at the end because she can't like help but be crassly competitive. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, they do have one like 98% reconciliation conversation, but like the upload doesn't finish where they like, they admit that they've never talked about what happened and provide some reasons why, but they're in disagreement over what's going to happen with the kids. And like, that Jeez. is, that goes unresolved until the very end of the book. So like, mm-hmm. I kind of, I I liked how Wilson ended that scene. I thought that the confession quote unquote of, Madison's feelings was a little pat. Uh, And that, I guess, gets to that point of like, Madison is not as much of a character in the book as I think the first, even like third of the book makes you think she's going to be. And Mm -hmm. that is a little just... Just take try to take the book on its terms. If you you can kind of know that going in, I think you'll enjoy it more than being like, oh, I thought I was getting one thing and I got something else. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, the... The senator is kind similar to his depiction as an empty suit of a senator. He is a bit of an empty suit of a sad husband man who's going to be the yeah. secretary of state uh, because at one point the sitting secretary of state dies. Um, and they say, well, he was dying, but he was a powerful man. He was going to die very slowly. This was unexpected. <laughs> Jesus. OK. So that ramps up the we got to deal with these kids because uh they don't really like their father mm-hmm. because he did uh kick them out of the, kick them and their mother out of the house after sure, he cheated yeah. on their mother and stuff mm-hmm. um and doesn't really seem to have any interest in learning to deal with them as fire children he just wants them to stop uh and then the whole thing uh really kicks into high gear when he is uh confirmed as the new secretary of State and while he is giving a press conference his son via Madison Timothy does burst into flames on live television okay uh but of course Madison spin doctor that she is tells all the press that it was like spark from something that lit his clothes on fire <laughs> and everyone believes it but he, and he's but and also he's fine but also he's fine but don't ask just don't worry about it uh, and there's a big confrontation at the estate about what Jasper wants to do with all the different kids in the family. Uh, that l- that ends with Lillian running away with the two fire kids, and uh, basically not not knowing what she's going to do with them, and then gets the offer that she can continue raising them with you know fiscal support from sure. from Robert's estate and whatever. Well,
1: that's nice, I guess.
0: Um, and it you know it ends with her, you know. Realizing that she can't not care for these kids, and that she has basically proven to these kids that that she cares about them, which is something that takes the whole book for them to really clock. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. well, because they're probably used to being a problem that gets yeah. swept under a rug and not.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think when they when they arrive, uh, they're they're at Lillian's mom's house, and Lillian's mom is just like a, a she actually is a wasteoid, like just like to go back on that like she is just not interested in her daughter and is just kind of like yeah i guess you're here again okay cool um and when she first meets the little kids they're like yeah we never stay anywhere for very long That's just mm-hmm. not our life uh and Lillian commits to them and, and it works out and so like it is it's an interesting book it, about parenthood in that way because it's not like she she's meeting these kids after they are already people. Yeah. So there there was some of it to me that kind of made it feel like it would speak to somebody with a foster parent experience as well mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. you know, how do you integrate... It's very much, how do you integrate uh, a kid into your life at all or kids into your life at all, let alone kids who have all sorts of their own history already. Um, but the like... I think the I don't remember which specific wording it is, but there's there's lines from Lillian that are just about like, yeah, you know, my life is irrevocably changed. It might not even be my life anymore, but this is Mm -hmm. just the life that I'm going to live now. Yeah. Um, That that felt very true from a from a parenting perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though Simon,
1: Simon doesn't. Catch on fire. Like, to right, my knowledge, right? he doesn't. He doesn't catch on fire when he, he get mad.
0: No, he doesn't catch on fire when he get mad. What does he do when he get mad? He does what I. He does a thing right now that is not. It's not always when he gets mad, but he does a thing that I like to call DJ. No thanks. <laughs> where if he doesn't, if he wants something to not be in front of him, mm-hmm. or if he's like done with something, whether it's a toy or a type of food. Mm-hmm he will like kind of like straight arm, just like wipe the thing away from in front of him so that it is no longer in his field of vision. And DJ it, no looks, thanks. it looks like he is DJing. That's amazing. And I call it DJ. <laughs> but it, it is often accompanied with a little bit of like stress. Cause he's like, no, I actually don't want this and I don't yeah, know mm-hmm. how to communicate that. And so mm-hmm. I just want it to not exist sort yeah. of yeah, feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that gets back to thinking about these kids as characters. I think Bessie is a bit more memorable than Roland because she does more of the talking than Roland does. And Lillian connects to her more as a girl, you know, a woman raising a girl. than you know, she connects to Roland. That she sees a bit more of herself in Bessie. Sure. Um, also, Bessie's better at basketball. And Lillian's really good at basketball. So like, they <laughs> bond over <laughs> basketball. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but just, like, they, she's never acting like, a, quote, unquote, a parent uh, in her own estimation. She's not being a parent to them. She's just, like, being someone who's responsible for them. And that is a different relationship than she's used to and a different relationship than they're used to. Yeah, for sure. Um, Which is kind of what sets them apart from everybody else. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah, it's an interesting book. I think it is. Fun. I think uh, it's yeah. I don't know that I would give it the effusive praise that I saw in that New York Times review. Mostly just because I'm not like, whoa, yeah. After finishing it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Yeah, I don't know. There is
1: there is something to see here after all. That's your that's your
0: wow. If that I... would be that would
1: be your, if you were writing the New York Times review, it would be something to see here after all.
0: <laughs> that's so. a really good one uh-huh man you should write headlines for all of my episodes i should write headlines for lost up <laughs> <laughs> i think or you not, do I actually know. i do write right? some yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know what when you were a kid what did you do instead of catching on fire
1: boy uh i don't know probably like through stuff or something like i was not like the the best adjusted kid in a lot of circumstances Throwing is, uh, yeah, thro- throwing is tough because throwing is
0: that kind of like I have ever like hurled a pillow. Like I've I can't to my recollection ever think of like I threw a breakable thing right. Yeah. But there is that feeling of like something uh, a feeling is building up inside you. Yeah, just, just
1: it needs to be released somehow. Get yeah. it out of you.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I was never a tantrum kid. I don't think. You don't think you don't
1: remember don't remember you're you you tantrum too hard because i burst into flames and Mm -hmm.
0: i i could become a tantrum kid give me some time yeah i'll work on it yeah all right well thanks for letting me tell you about this book andrew (laughs) thanks for telling me it was good it's fun it's a good fun,
1: good fun podcast that we do
0: to everybody for listening to our good fun podcast and if you have thoughts on uh kids bursting into flames because they're angry Send us an email, overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media like Blue Sky or Instagram at Overdue Pod or whatever version of that is on those platforms. Thanks to Tom, Sandy, Debbie, Sonia, Grace Ann, MK, Nicola Jane, and more for reaching out in the last week. Our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go?
1: OverduePodcast.com is our internet website up there. We have the list of books that we are going to read for any given month. Go ahead and look at those. Get a load of what's happening. Read along with us if you want to. Uh, Patreon.com slash OverduePod is our Patreon page. You can donate to the show directly. uh, Help us pay for hosting, books, equipment, whatever other costs we may or may not incur. Uh, as we as we just exist in the world yep mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and you also get uh, access to our discord server bonus episodes you get early including our current long read project which is about uh emily wilson's translation of the iliad we should have some more episodes of that hitting the main feed
0: pretty soon yes episodes one and two will hit by the end of this month but we're oh, already boy. on episode three on patreon so like yeah, if come you want to be current with homer <laughs> Yeah. You you know? Everybody's talking about this Homer guy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Uh, we have a cool Patreon Discord community. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. You should come hang out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Next week, I'm going to be reading The Aunt Who Wouldn't Die. I'm not sure if this is a horror book or what. (laughs) By uh, Shershendu Merkipadahai.
0: Okay. I can't wait to find out why the aunt wouldn't die. I can't. Yeah.
1: Is this like, does she want to? Or... It, it doesn't say that she can't. It just says that she wouldn't. So she, I guess she's deciding not to die. We'll, we'll see. I can't wait to find out more.
0: <laughs> Great. Uh, tune in next week, I guess. All right,
1: everybody. Until we talk to you then, please try to be happy.
0: Das headgum Podcast.